G'day everyone, welcome to this free kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast, and today it's your host Liam for the first time on an actual episode this season, and for our round four review pod, I'm joined by only one other person, that is Mel. Mel, how are you going? I'm good. How are you specifically, Liam? Oh, thank you. No, Mel, I, no, I'm the thrower now. You get to sit there and respond to the throw. Oh, how nice. I'm very good. I'm very good, thank you. How was, like, in terms of your fantasy weekend or your AFLW weekend, how was it? Anything notable or memorable? Yeah, I didn't get to go to actually any games because I wasn't in Victoria this weekend. Uh, I'm in WA and, of course, this week there's no games in WA. Isn't that great timing? So I just had to watch them on TV, uh, but did manage to get quite a few in, which was nice. i got to say, my fourth favourite team, the Gold Coast Suns, because, yes, I've gone down to that order, had a <laughs> fantastic game. Um, I've got three Suns in my side, but I also just love watching them. So that was a really good game to watch. What about you? Well, I, I do agree that was a good game to watch for the first half mm. when uh, my trade-in, uh, Charlie Robotham, was killing it. Uh <laughs> In terms of my highlight of the weekend, it was almost certainly a beautiful 26-degree day on Sunday in Melbourne, sitting in the stand at Windy Hill, watching the Bombers just dominate in the second half and cruise home to a 20-point victory against Mm. a team in purple that we don't really like to talk about very much on this podcast. I didn't do very well. And just pretending that a certain midfielder from that team... um, wasn't playing because she wasn't. I think we'll discuss this a bit later. <laughs> but yes, very sad. Unfortunately, Will isn't able to join us this evening, but he'd like it known that after the St Kilda and Collingwood game, his highlight was going and actually meeting the Saints interviewee trio in person for the first time. So that's Jesse Wardlaw, Hannah Priest and Tiana Smith. So... That's uh, that's a pretty cool highlight for the weekend. I think mine is personally slightly superior because it involved a Bombers win, but, you know, to each their own. <laughs> Got to enjoy them while you can, hey? <laughs> oi. <laughs> oi. Oi, 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 oi. Fremantle can sure, barely sure, sure, put sure. a side together. Haley Miller had six, had uh, points in the teens. Like, let's yeah. not get too big for our boots. <sighs> On the topic of big for their boots, we'll do the round recap, and I'll quickly do Will's first because it was large. Will had a 15.35, which put him, I think, in at 90th overall for the round and has moved him inside the top 500 overall, something in the 400s, which is just enormous and also exactly as we predicted, which is Will and I passing each other's ranks in the night at a million miles an hour. And almost a lot of it is on the back of having Marinoff as captain and then also having traded in Zali Goldsworthy. So yeah, that's a good one. The man is on a mission for the top 100 and he's racing there. And as it turns out, if you rank inside the top 100 during the week, it's really easy to move up that high. Mm. He um, That was even with, I think he had Bresnahan with an 11 or something very low on his field. So he's done very well. Um, but I reckon captaining Noffy was a very good move. And actually something I didn't do, I captained Bowers and... Whoa, <laughs> Bowers, it's just that Frio game has hurt me in so many ways. Well, you may as well just jump straight into your round rank. Yeah, I mean, I got a score of 14.36, so pretty good, pretty happy with that. Average, oh, not average round rank, pretty good round rank, almost top 1,000. But a final rank of 12.60, so I am inching closer, another 500 points up 
which I just like to remind the listeners I started close to 10,000. So I'm, even if I don't finish, uh, you know, top 500 or anything, I'm quite happy with my little wiggle up there. Um, yeah, but not captaining Noffy was an absolute bummer. I was also spewing when I checked the scores after that West Coast game and saw that Hooker went huge. He got like 98 or something. And I traded Hooker out for single and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? But single had a good game as well. Uh, so overall, my trades didn't ruin me this week, which is actually pleasant. Liam, how'd you go? <laughs> I can't imagine what that's like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so out of 13.84, which puts me in a round rank of mm-hmm. 2,500, uh, puts me at rank overall 7.15. So that's down 187 spots. So I am again continuing the downward slide. I still have managed to make it, though, through four rounds before having a truly catastrophic score, like three, four hundred points below par, which is what I did last year. So I'm still inside the top thousand, basically. I'm still inside the top 750. And again, my only mistake is not having the VC on Ebony Marinoff and instead going for Laura Gardner. And Mm. I'm sure we'll talk about them later. But the West Coast Eagles need to have a good hard look at themselves. They looked at the <laughs> Brisbane Lions and what they did last week. And they tagged Chloe Malloy. And they won that game against Sydney comfortably. Didn't matter that Laura Gardner had 42. The, what, like, what, let's say they're the second most uh, highly credentialed AFLW franchise, them and Adelaide. It was mm-hmm. that team that decided they'd tag Chloe Malloy. And for some reason, the geniuses at West Coast decided that, no, it's Laura Gardner who is going to get a stoppage tag from every single member of the West Coast midfield. And even then, they still lost. And even then, Laura Gardner had over 90 points. But I just cannot fathom the person who is coaching who thinks, no, 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 Craig Starsevich is the one who is wrong. I'm the one who is right. I was furious. Absolutely furious watching that game, but it's still my fault because I didn't put the VC on uh, Ebony Marinoff and then flopped that straight into Turbo and her injured knee. And then I was hot on the news of Cordner being a, a role watch and she was going up against a terrible matchup, didn't make the trade, traded out Lister instead. And then I watched the uh, Aaron Phillips game against. Uh, uh, who was it the week prior, St Kilda, and just knew that she wasn't up to scratch and scoring at her best, and yet I still kept there for another flop score. So just so Who did you put the VC on then? Gardner. Not... I put the VC on Gardner. Why? Um, Because she scored 151 the week before. Oh, okay. I thought she didn't think she was going to have a big week. Sorry, I, for listeners, I'm still trying to piece together this VC loophole thing. I thought you, by the way you're talking about that, I thought it was going to be like Swanson or something. Okay. No. I see. I put it on, I put it on Laura Gardner, fresh off 151 Oh, Laura Gardner. I thought you said Garner. I was like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Oh, we can, we can talk about mistakes made with um, oh. Garner later, but... Yeah, so that's uh, Sorry, that's where my round rank has gone. Mm. I will throw... I'm not even going to bother. Will has written down his plus four. I think that's yeah. true of all of us. Mm. And that's Ebony Marinoff. Mel, who gets your Kiara Bowers award for best player of the week? I give it to single. 
So this is for a couple of reasons. She's 5% owned and she did amazingly and she's been very consistent in her scoring and I'm very happy I finally brought her in. But also I keep thinking about six-letter names that have a reddish colour in my mind associated with them and I keep thinking of Lister and Single being the same person. So I keep getting very excited when I hear Single's name thinking it's Lister who you've been talking about in uh, our segment. And now that I've got single in my side, I'm like, great, I'm actually watching the right player. I'm getting excited about the right player. And watching her intently, she is everywhere. My God, she's an awesome player. So loved watching her, lowly owned, got a great score, plus four. And you? Yeah, she was. she's a great watch. If only because it, when you own her, at least it tempers the sad feelings you might have if you're owning the person that she's tagging, mm. um, which I'm certain is going to happen again because it's Anne Hatchard this week who is still rel- going to be relatively well-owned throughout the competition. So, yeah, yeah it, you either own her and it's great or you own her and you own the person that's getting smothered. Yeah, if you own both. Yeah, not, not ideal. So my uh, plus four Kiara Bowers Award goes to Britt Bonici nice. uh, because I, I really did think that this match matchup was one to hold for and she repaid my faith with a 117 or 118 which was one of the highest scores of the round looked really really comfortable doing it as well and I'd also like to give up a like let's say a plus one to Laura Gardner for still managing to get 94 93 whilst copying a full game tag which I was making the joke whilst watching it it's probably the first time she's been tagged ever at AFLW level, <laughs> and she might have been tagged at VFLW level, but I'm not sure that's quite the same as Swanson, Lewis, and McCarthy running around with you all game. So props to her for actually managing to still get above 90 and still make her comfortably F1. Nice. Well, at least close to our F1 in my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in terms of the uh, Paige Scott Award this week, I don't think uh, I'm going to give it... I'm not going to even ask Will because he's tried to mention Nicole Bresnahan in there. I think giving a Paige Scott to an injury, no, it's not uh, a vibe. But well, that's what I, I was going to do. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think you can. Okay. But I don't think that this is a... I, I think you can still give this minus one. Mel, who is it? Oh, it's Bowers. I mean, actually, she was... Okay, I was sitting there watching this game being like, Freo's not doing well, this is infuriating. Then I see Bowers forward. I'm like, mm, okay, that's not great. Then she's getting the ball first. So she's getting tackled. And I never like to see Bowers getting tackled. That's just like a role reversal. Then she gives away a free kick for something else. And I was like, oh, my Lord, what is going on? And then um, I couldn't see her in the fourth quarter. And I messaged you and you're like, yeah, she came off back into the third quarter with an injury. And so, I mean... I was just watching her time on ground percentage tick down. This was very frustrating. I hope she's okay. But she's out of my fantasy side. <laughs> yeah. That was such a painful watch. She sat at full forward, which mm. is when that I knew something was really, really off because she gave that interview last year and says, I am not a forward. I never want to spend any time forward. I'm not a good kick. It's not what I'm good at. I was only there because something was wrong. And then I was sitting there in the stand looking over that forward 50 and she is sitting bang in the middle of the goal square and I knew something was seriously off. Mm. And then she gets tackled running in towards goal and she gives away two holding the ball free kicks in the back end of that second quarter. And I was just 
so sad. It was the longest halftime break I have had watching a game of footy in a very long time. And, yeah, I I also think that the minus one for me, outside of myself because of all of the mistakes I made earlier, it's to the Fremantle injury reporting. Hmm. Because she came in with something. Some level of clarity. She did not look right and hasn't looked right basically since about midway through the fourth quarter against Collingwood. Because didn't look amazing against Hawthorne. Yeah, okay, it was a very quick and very fast game, but she was just not tackling everything. She, she had wasn't like, doing it yesterday either. She had four tackles in about 10 minutes, and I know that that's low by Bowers standards, but I was like, maybe she's back. Maybe this is just a blip. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then it fell through from there. So, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about Bowers. No, we'll just talk about it now. I think that... She is very expensive player. She's losing a lot of money. She hasn't been in her best form. She's one of those ones which, unfortunately, she plays a very rough game style and she's getting a little bit older. And it was a kind of a risk of when's the season going to be where Bowers is not Bowers anymore? Bowers is not Turbo. And we were really hoping it wouldn't be now. But when you see, you know, an injury round one, an unreported injury now, sitting in full forward line, it's making me think that she's just not that must-have elite player where you go screw the team, I bring her in. And I kind of wish I stuck with my previous points on this, but I get big Bowers envy. I just know that I'm going to hate myself if I don't bring her in and she goes huge. But I think this is now more than enough signs to kind of comfortably go, she's not guaranteed her number one or two spot. That was the thing that killed me, is it's like we saw about three really healthy quarters against Collingwood. And she scored 130 points. Mm. Looked top of the charts. The problem is there's clearly something going wrong with her knee. I don't even think it's necessarily age. Like, she still has very high time on ground. She's clearly just sore because the thing that Mm. took her off in that fourth quarter was just a fall Mm. or a knee knock. But she just got up really slowly and ran off really proppy. So that's a very, very long and strong minus one. But I also think it's necessary. Because it's going to inform a lot of what people's trades are if you do own her, and there are a lot of people in the top 10k that still do. But before we get to our hot topics, even though we've had a pretty hot start, we'll do the watch and wait scoreboard. Will is not here to do it again, so Mel, I'll throw to you for the watch and wait scoreboard for the week. Yep, so uh, we've got a new leader here, Fithis. I assume that's how you say that, by Josh M on 6176, so huge. Top 100 marker, we've got Cuzzy's crew at 5889. So what's that difference? That's about 1,200 or so. The score you needed to stay in the – nope, that is more than 1,200. That's about 1,300, 1,400. 1,400? No. Between 5,8 – Oh, my gosh. I can't even math. It's like 400? I'm going to say that Mel, again. what did you do at university again? Not math. Um so that's a difference of only about <laughs> now that I can do math properly that's a difference of about 300 we'll say 300 without my calculator let's say 300 points so the score to stay in the top 100 was 1467 so pretty big the highest in our league was also fifthest which I kind of makes that segment redundant but I also love to see it because it means that the top scorers are in the free kick league and I, we have had 35 people in our league are also in the top 100. 
just over a third. I think we were at 34 last week. So Yeah, okay. Getting a little bit bigger. All right. So, hot topics of the week. The way we're thinking of running this today is that basically in most of the lines, everyone's kind of at the stage now where, given the ownership numbers, you're about three-fifths to four-fifths finished with premiums that you think are going to be top of the line. And I think that's true of all of them. Which is absolutely crazy, might I just add, coming from playing Marrow's Magic in the last two years, where to think we're in round four to five and we're feeling very confident. We're, we've got our largely our team set. Yeah, there's some tweaks. Yeah, we're going to have to do injuries and whatnot. But like, I was not expecting me to feel this complete this early on in the game. So I know we knew that that was going to happen, but it's still a shock. Can I also just say I'd like this memorialized to some degree? I almost don't like it. No, I don't love it. I don't feel like I've earned the upgrades. Like, I've not been doing it for long enough. I've not had to grind with some, like, bench trades just to eke my way up to someone who's just about to get a good matchup and who's dropped for a few weeks. I've not, like, really ground out a team. I've just sideways traded to players that then have good weeks and go up 150k. Yeah, it's really just, like, who's going to do good next week based on matchups, not, like, who am I going to pick and in six weeks' time maybe they will have made me a smidgen of money and I can trade them up to someone. It's a different game, I guess, but... It's missing that, like, I'm just hanging on by the skin of my teeth to make good <laughs> trades every week. Yeah. Yeah, like there's only one or two combinations I can do, so <laughs> it's got to be one of these two. I've got yeah. to pick one. I've got to do it. Well, hmm. so basically that means we're now at a stage where we're looking to either differentiate our team by completing it or we're looking to take some players that are highly owned but not going to finish inside the top 10 probably for the rest of the year and looking for some unique options or the most important upgrade targets. That's how we're going to structure kind of each of the, the different lines to kind of hopefully give some pertinent advice. We're going to start off with defenders because we're going to talk about just about the most, actually not even just about, the most highly owned player inside the top 100, top 1K, top 2K, top 5K, and top 10K. And that's Harriet Cordner. Tote just served up a toasty, beautiful 25 on the weekend. And boy, was it one of the roughest watches you've ever had. Because I watched it live. And she dropped ah. about three marks as well, which really killed me. Mm. I know that a lot of people who uh, probably acted on the advice that I was giving out there traded her out, given I was very hot on Thursday and Friday and saying she needed to go. Enjoy. Uh, but a lot of people now still have her. We're at a point now where... I'm needing to trade her out. Now, Mel, do you have that problem? No, because I had a look at my team last week and I went, I don't want anything relating to Carlton. And I was having a bit of a sook well, in the back line. And I was having a bit of a sook to Will because Gab Pound is my third favourite player. And I was like, damn, I wish she was going to be fantasy relevant going forward, but I just don't see it. I think that the share of points across Carlton is just going to get dispersed with... Peterson coming back and a few other changes. So I just thought, especially Carlton backline is not somewhere where I can see one person pulling out and getting a great score. So I got rid of her, which I know is contrary to what I said in round one, but when she came out with all guns firing, I was at that game pretty much sitting behind Cordner half the time and she had a huge fans cheer squad there. Like it was it was the Cordner show. Everyone was in love with her there. And it I think it brought out a really good game in her. But then when we didn't quite see that again the week after, I was like, oh, that might have been a debut celebration and maybe people are giving her the ball more because she's back and it's exciting as opposed to 
someone that's going to be that consistent. So I kind of called on her when I didn't see that consistency and I traded her out. That's probably not what you want to hear. That's a great thesis. <laughs> hmm? Like, okay, who is then sitting at your D5? Like, who's your trade-out target this week? Because you've surely got someone. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So mine is Ella Heads. I think that she's been really nice and consistently scoring in those 50s. But she didn't make, I think it was this week that she didn't make any money because she got a product, her break-in was probably about 50-51 and she got 51. So she's been someone that she's made a bit of money, but I want to go up a tier. She's one that I will need to add some more money on top of in order to upgrade because she hasn't herself done that well, um, cash gen wise. But she's the one that I'm looking at. And I believe based on those stats, she's also fairly highly owned in the top X thousand as well. Yes. So off the uh, the stats that I've pulled from bit in that, uh, we've got Ella Heads is at 47% owned in the top 1,000. And then Harry Corden is 85%. So it's a very popular duo to have inside. Mm. For those of you that got both, I think that Cordner has the much lower floor. Oh, yeah. And I think Ella Heads <laughs> is a much higher ceiling. Yes. But, okay, so Mel, you've got Ella Heads this week. Who are you looking at as your potential trading options? And then even if you're not looking to trade them in, who else are you mm. like considering based on either uniqueness or like potential to be top five to ten for the rest of the year? Yeah, so I'm probably not actually going to be fixing up my backline this week because Ella Heads is somewhat consistent. She's playing Carlton. I don't know how that'll go. Sydney are not great. So I think I've got bigger uh, problems, unfortunately. So, But she's a next week fixer-upper. I'm very impressed with Gold Coast backline. I don't understand how there were just so many points. I, actually, I guess they're not very good maybe, but there were just so many points <laughs> shared <laughs> around these defenders. I mean, you've got Dizzy Darcy, who is in my side, who's going great. But then also, when I was looking at um, players that have low ownership in from the AFLW Fantasy platform itself, but also have a good dollars for points, we've got Lauren RN, RNs, who's in there, lowly owned, decent average in the 40s, Wallace Randall, uh, average in the 45s, lowly owned as well. And then Georgia Clayton, a bit higher owned, but 46s as well. How are there so many decently, like consistently averaging defenders in Gold Coast? Don't know. I'm impressed. So I think one of those could be a good sideways, potentially, if I needed to downgrade and get some more money. But I'm probably looking to upgrade instead. I think a Sarah Lampard could be a really good one. I know you mentioned her a few weeks ago. She lost a bit of money this week, which is good news. Well, I'm not actually going to do a backline trade this week. But if I were to change my mind, she would probably one of the ones I bring in um, somewhat low ownership from what I can see, but keen to hear your opinion from the top thousand or so. Good average in the 60s, so getting 10 points on Ella Heads and maybe getting cheaper as it goes. I just like I think in terms of the Gold Coast Backline, I think there's just been a little boost for everyone now that Howarth has gone out. Everyone's just gone up a little bit and they've kind of spread the points out relatively evenly. I think, unfortunately, for Ahrens, Randall, Clayton, and I think you could almost also count Mira Gervin in there as Mm. well. I think that I don't see enough. I don't see a ceiling. I don't see 80 points, which is kind of what you need to have to offset quieter games when you go up against Richmond. Which leads me on perfectly to the fact that in round six, Gold Coast hit Richmond. 
who are the hardest team for defenders to score against. So I think that if you are an owner already of a, one of these defenders at the, at the Suns, that's a great spot to be. I'm just a little wary of you. If you're using a downgrade and you want to keep for three to four weeks, you could end up with the same 20-something that Cordner got, which kind of defeats the purpose of the trade, at least on one side, which is to get good points. You might make a little bit of cash, but I think that's the concern that I've got about the Gold Coast. In terms of Lampard, I don't mind it at all because she does sit a little higher up the ground than your traditional defenders. And without Maddie Gay mm. having much of an impact this year and um, Libby Birch is also sitting very, very deep, she has the potential for ceiling scores. The problem is she also has a potential for scores in the 20s because I think she went uh, 100 and something and then immediately she followed up that up with the 26. So you're getting the full spectrum of scoring and she has had a ceiling in the past, but I think the concern for Melbourne is that outside of kind of Kate Hoare and even outside of basically Kate Hoare, there's so much sharing going on. And I think the thing that Kate Hoare does is she's the one that gets shared with inside the forward 50. So she would be someone that I would reckon average closer to 75, but at least twice a game, she will get a two cheap plus sixes and probably a goal from someone just going, yeah, we're going to kick it to Kate Hoare so she can take the shot. It's like a little 15-minute short pass. Like, Louis mm. Mithin does it at least once a week. And that's why I think she's the best player at Melbourne. I think that Lampard, Paxman, Hanks, West, Purcell, Gay, uh, Shelley, Heath, they're all capable of good scores on any given week. But it's never consistent because Melbourne are so well-disciplined and just give it to whomever is there. Mm. And they will be the ones that will have a good week. Yeah. So. Lampard is fine. Like, I actually, I'm not even fine. She has the ceiling that few other defenders have. I would be probably targeting her a little later in the season. There's a round seven matchup that they've got Melbourne up against West Coast. I think that's a great matchup to target her for. The same as the week after she's got um, the uh, North Melbourne. So another potential for a good score playing as a defender slash winger. So those are my points on those ones. The ones that I have really liked as lowly owned inside the top five averaging, say. Emma O'Driscoll is a good option this year. She has improved now each year she's been in the AFLW. She took a little bit of a leap last year, and now she's shown herself to be someone capable of averaging at that 72-73 level, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago as being the target. Now, Mel, I don't know if you have many thoughts on Emma O'Driscoll being the Fremantle supporter. Yeah, I think that she looks like a good option. She is very consistent around that area. So when you're looking at other defenders that are in that area, so getting consistently around the 80s, 70s, based on her price as well, you've also got Dizzy Darcy who's in that same area, but like she's lost a little bit of money recently. You've also got Amy Smith. You've got a couple of options as well. So I think it's a, it makes sense as a pick. I'm not sure if I like her necessarily more than the others, but based on ownership, are you saying she's the lowest owned of those? Yeah. So there are 18 people inside the top 1,000 that own Emma O'Driscoll. 
and she has now put together a pretty consistent run of decent scoring. She takes a majority of their kick-ins at the moment too. Having now watched her closely on the weekend, but having now seen her go 80, 68, and 70, again, it's a problem this week where they're the team that has Richmond, who are very hard to score mm. against for defenders. Which is what, but then yeah. as, a, as a player to target, I think almost that like she and Dizzy Darcy sit in a very similar pool of players, which is beneath them are a lot of players who can score 40s and 50s. And she is the one player who can average 70 because she's their main distributor. I'd say the same thing for Dizzy Darcy in the back line at Gold Coast. So Angelique Stannett is 19.5% in top grand and you just said O'Driscoll is yes. 1.8. Stannett, is not a def- Stannett doesn't play as a defender, I think is the main thing. She plays as a half forward. Oh, yeah, I know, but when we're looking at literally defenders that you oh, bring yes. in onto that line. I was just comparing the two, but I think oh. of those two to pick, your stand-up would be the choice to put a defender on your team, but I think she's much more highly owned. Is, is that why you didn't suggest her? And also I think she is more expensive too. So Stanit is just a, a smidge more expensive a 20 too. grand. And in terms of like in terms of consistency, I think we're going to see more consistency from O'Driscoll than we'll see from Stanett. I think that if Fremantle do have some kind of tougher matchups in their run, so they go from Richmond, North Melbourne would be one where I'd be concerned. Yeah, the the matchup this week and next for Stanett is a problem because she plays as a half forward and might get lost. She does, but she can also play defence. And if Frio are struggling without a Bowers. She could be one that just gets a bit of swap around, like a tag, goes either side. I mean, Frio, I know you talk a lot about St Kilda's team having a lot of shuffling and no game plan. I feel like Frio's got a chunk of people that they'll just put anywhere when they need them. That's that's a fair point. In terms of, I'll, I'm going to use that as my little pivot to <laughs> people getting thrown around. Uh, and that's actually to talk about Brisbane, because mm. I think there are two really interesting options in defence. One of them is someone who we've talked about all preseason at different points, and that's Nat Grider. She was a top five, or basically top five defender in each of season six and season seven since we've been playing fantasy. She came out with a horrific 30-odd in round one. As it turns out, it was against Richmond. That's a really tough side to score against. Kind of put that into context. She's then improved each week, and she looked really, really good. I think she got actually... I think she might have got the most coaches' votes on the weekend too against North Melbourne. So that should give you an idea of she is a highly talented player and she has improved her scoring. I also think that in terms of like a trade from Cordner, it's only 40k, 50k, which most rookies can do in one week. So if you had to do it, you could afford like any rookie down to another 300k are playing this week. If you've got Mia Bush, it's Mia Bush down to a 300k defender, for example. And I think that Nat Grider is someone who can go maybe not at exactly like 74, 75 up there with the Carnies and the Evanses. I'm thinking more 69, 70, 71. And Brisbane do have a really good run for defenders, or at least a decent run of defenders over the next three games. So that's someone I really like. The other one that is a great option is Bree Conan. This one is super rough, and I think it's risky, but she got CBAs as a stoppage player against uh, North Melbourne. Now, can I have 20 seconds to ask coaches around the AFLW, why are you not spending more time tagging Jazz Garner? She is 
the <laughs> best player in every single game she plays in. She is a contested clearance beast. What are you doing? Maybe she's untaggable. No, but that's the she's not because I went back and watched the footage of her games from 2022 when she played against Brisbane. Kathy Spark was bodying her like it was try and get in her way as much as possible. And Kathy Spark is one of the most physical players in the comp. No, didn't happen on the weekend. It wasn't until they threw Brie Conan in later in the game that it really had an impact. I'll pivot back to actual chat about defenders. I think Brie Conan, if she is going to be someone they throw in as a defensive stopper, that takes her scoring up a decent margin because even if she does go back in defense, she can still score 50s. If she goes into the midfield, she we've seen now she was the highest scoring defender on the weekend. She scored an 88, I think it is off the top of my head. Both two fascinating options that are basically sideways trades from Harriet Cordner. If you don't have the cash to go up to anyone that we see as being inside the top five. I think if I was stuck with Cordner, the trade I would do would be to Gunjaka. I think that she's shown decent consistency historically as well, but has a 22 from round two, which is pulling her down. She had a great score last week, even with a 77% time on ground. I think that she kind of has that versatility to be able to get consistently decent scoring and she's underpriced because of round two. So for only, but then again, you would need an extra, what's that, 20 or so, 25 grand. But yeah, I think this, uh, we've given quite a few options to the Cordner heads issue. (laughs) Specifically Cordner. Yes. And, And in terms of like some other players that I, one other player that I wanted to mention, who's also a Geelong as a unique who could probably average 70 for the rest of the year, and that's Chantel Emmonson. I think that as much as uh, Geelong are winning a lot of their games and looking very good at the moment, they're not so dominant that the ball doesn't end up back in their defense. That's why we're seeing consistent scoring from Meg Mack and then good scoring from Gunjaka and also Chantel Emmonson. Emmonson also takes a handful of kick-ins as well that really sets a floor to her score, unlike with Gunjaka, who in that game against Sydney was really struggling to actually get the ball if it was just pinging around really fast and the ball wasn't down there enough. So I think that's now our summary of like defenders that we we want to target. Now they might be lowly owned or we think they've got some potential going forward. Mm. I also think that if you haven't got Charlotte Thomas at this point, I think she's a great target still because she's still priced below effectively what she was to start the year. And we've seen that she's got 90s ceiling. Mm. And West Coast suck. Yep. Is there a specific game you're thinking of her for? Uh, for the rest of the year. This week would be great, actually. Because I think West Coast have Port. an easy... Oh, yeah, Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide, a very easy matchup for defenders. So I mm. brought her in this week because I thought she was going to make cash no matter what. And I thought that was a good way to get off Lister, whose role nice. is enough to turn my hair grey. Hmm. Okay. Well, we might need to move on to the... <laughs> Oh yes, so that was our, our our short our short thesis on uh, mm. on defenders, and we're going to move across to the forwards because uh, yet again you've probably got someone stinking up on the line. You could be like me, and you've got Aaron Phillips, or probably more likely you have uh, a Nina Morrison, who at the time of recording it's not confirmed, but I'm highly doubtful that she will not be suspended. I expect her to be suspended at least one game, which for mm. me is a trade out. Yet again, we've got to ask ourselves, what? how are we going to complete our sides? Like, how are you going to complete your forward line? When I have a look at who 
is doing really well this season and I think is contender for staying or being in the top five. Obviously, Gardner is up there. Son's, uh, what's it called? Suspension, obviously, Morrison is up there. Hall just got her tally of leading goal kick for the season taken over with, I can't remember who. Jamie Stanton. Jamie Stanton, yep. Call yourself a fourth highest supporting, fourth best team is Gold Coast and you can't remember their best goal kicker. I just, I've watched a lot a lot of bits of a lot of games and I wasn't there for any, so it's hard to, for them to stick in my head as individual. <laughs> On crappy internet. Um, uh, single, we've seen, she's a surprise one, but she's in that amazing role that is racking up the points. Malloy, we expected this to be. The only person that is in the top five or top scores currently that I have really got my eyes on is too good. This is just a massive season for her that um, wasn't necessarily expecting, but I think she's really up there. Um, I'm also really pleasantly surprised by Hooker, but I have recently traded her out. So she's one I'm kind of potentially thinking I should trade back in, but that does feel a little bit silly. But also Jack Dupai being really surprised with this season. But to me, the top kind of five or six, we kind of know... I, I feel kind of confident that I know who they're going to be outside of something drastic happening with Morrison. The one that's at, towards the bottom of that is probably Malloy. So if I was looking at someone in my forward line to be trading out, it would probably be her. But more so my actual big issue is that I'm relatively happy with my forwards at the moment, but my bench is making me no money. So I have no wiggle room <laughs> um, on pretty much any mm. of the lines to be getting some extra cash to put behind someone. So I'm actually not really d- looking for a sideways shuffle. I'm probably looking for taking whichever one of my current forwards slips down, which I suspect will be Malloy, up to like a Bonnie Too Good or someone with some extra cash. Not sure if that answers your question. It can't. It, like, it definitely answers the question in in some ways, and then there's points of discussion for others. Because I think that that's probably true of a lot of people because we've really seen this year that forwards with a line that can truly put 80s, 90s, 100s, 110s up. Yeah, some huge scores. We have not seen that from the rucks, really, and we've not seen it from the defenders at all. We just not have, we haven't had the like defender conversion to full-time midfielder that we have had in the forward line. Or in previous years. We've, yeah, we've had it in previous years. Like, mm. we had Ruby last year. She wasn't amazing at it, but we had that storyline of, oh, she's full-time midfielder now. That's where she's going to be. In seasons prior, it was Swanson Webster who really were the, the kind of two most important picks to have in season six, and we don't have them this year. It's all yep. intercepting halfbacks. And so I think... In general, again, I'm happy with my forward line and I liked what I saw from Nina Morrison on the weekend. Even if she had slightly fewer CBAs with Beck Webster being back, I think the more important Mm. thing for me was I only saw Beck Webster back with like 35% CBAs. That made me feel a little bit more confident and it was the fact that Darcy Maloney also had 40%, who I would see as being much more likely to lose her role than Mm. Nina. Yeah, same. If Nina is suspended all hell breaks loose because I think that in a team that I've got with Cordner in there, with Bowers in there, I've also got Ella Heads and I've got Aaron Phillips. I can't afford to be going up to... (laughs) Sirens. (laughs) There are so many sirens. I can't afford to be going up to Too Good, who, again, I love 
I knew that I needed to change my tune a little bit on in like the last like week and a half because she's mm. looked really, really good. But I don't think anyone could have predicted this no. reasonably. And that was her best game ever on the weekend. She kicked two goals, oh, yeah. had most marks, most tackles. She had a bunch of kicks, a bunch of hand passes. Top of the line. She looked amazing and it doesn't even need to be in the midfield. She got a higher score than forwards that are playing in the midfield but are listed as forwards in the game. She smashed them all with her forward score when she's actually playing as a forward, <laughs> which is quite cool. Yeah, she really is. Like, if the Bombers are going to make the finals this year, she is the supreme difference maker that really is difficult to contain. Coach Woody will look to put her where the ball is when the Bombers are down, when the Bombers are doing well. She is a difference maker. And as we saw on the weekend, like Maddie Prasparkas can play really, really well, but you can put Hayley Miller on her and curb her impact at 80%. But I'm not in the spot where I can train in Bonnie too good. So I'm needing to look like down the list a little bit of players below 900k to earn a bit of cash to try and find some value options. Can I just ask quickly? So the you're one, definitely, yeah. if Morrison gets suspended, you're definitely trading around. You're not just going to um, take who's on your bench if it's only one week, given all those other red flags you just mentioned? Uh, given that it's a red dot, then yes, I will. Okay. I have a red dot on the bench. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant Nina Morrison's a red dot. I was like, yes, she is. Ah, and you, who's your utility currently? Uh, Alana G. Actually, she had a she looked pretty decent in the game. A couple of good tackles, but no, she's not who you want on your forward. No. <laughs> who are the roughies that I really like that are below nine hundred k? Who've seen really great roles in the last few weeks? I agree with your call, Mel, on Dana Hooker. Even if she's playing predominantly on a wing, I think in that side at West Coast that is very young still and is not improving. She's pretty reliable, and so they kind of want the ball near her. Mm -hmm. The one that I think is fascinating is Zali Goldsworthy because she is one of... She is inside the top five. I think she's equal fourth or equal fifth for time on ground this year. She is at 97.5% time on ground. Equal with her teammate, Tani Evans, Mm. and below only key defenders. It's like Beck Miller, Jazz Ferguson, rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. It's ridiculous. She tackles so well. What I hate is personally, I didn't trade her in, even though I have spent the last two weeks being like, Zali Goldsworthy, great option, to like a yeah. whole bunch of people that were suggesting Christy Stratton instead, who scored <laughs> a 30. I was fascinated still by the idea that she will make a cash. She has the ceiling too. She had that 100-plus score on the weekend against a relatively tough matchup in Adelaide. I think her teammate as well, Nicola Barr, is someone that is definitely looking better this year with more midfield time. And I still think is some value out there. If you don't already have her, she's very, very lowly owned. She has had no floor scores at the moment. And GWS's run for the rest of the year is only good, basically. Um, they have one Well, they're going up against relative- North Melbourne who are going to be really hard to score against. North Melbourne, if you can tackle, you're fine. So North Melbourne for midfielders who tackle, really good. So that's why Hannah Priest had an okay score in round one. That's why it is that you saw Bree Conan manage to get an 88 on the back of predominantly tackles on the weekend. And even if you kind of didn't see that many possessions, I think 
the floor score wise, I don't think they're going to be that bad. And then going forward, I think their run is really, really good. So it goes into West Coast, then St. Kilda, then Carlton against Gold Coast, and then into Port Adelaide. So like GWS is the team to target in my mind. The final one that I want to talk about as being fascinating, and I don't know, Mel, if you were listening to the, the coverage of Gold Coast and Western Bulldogs, but they talked about it as being her best game, and it 100% was. And that was yeah. Deanna Berry. She looked really, really good and appeared to just be playing Kirsty Lamb's role. Kirsty Lamb was playing as a forward, mainly, and then she was actually part of their revival in the fourth quarter because she kicked a goal. I think she kicked two for the game. But Deanna mm. Berry had... I think 80% CBAs, which was up from 40% the week prior and was by far and away, the 40% was the highest she'd ever had previously. I think that the Western Bulldogs are going to need to try things that are new. Dee Barry looked really, really good in the midfield on the weekend. And I think that long-term, I think she is someone that the Western Bulldogs will look to add to their midfield group because they've really struggled this year. Yeah, Lamb looked really exhausted and you could see pretty much every time she touched the ball, she was kind of like taking a moment or two. So it makes sense that they've got Barry kind of taking that role from Lamb. Although to me, this is someone that's just gone up 91 grand. They've had their best ever score, played three games out of the four. This is, I'm kind of surprised that this is someone you're so hot on just because it says like, Riding the bandwagon. Like, if they're for cash-gen purposes, yeah, but if you're talking about trading out Nina Morrison, who's probably going to be out one to two weeks, you might be taking her in at her high price and then riding a a bit of a loss, which is not going to help you get Morrison back after. The reason I like Deanna Berry is she had her best score ever with her best role ever. It's not like a defender that all of a sudden has, like, 90 after they've averaged 30s for their career. And it's just like they were in front of every intercept mark. It's the fact that the narrative lines up of bad team, player in their mid-20s, played as a forward in the past, but now being given more of a midfield role in a side that needs something different and something new. And she was noticeably good in a side that was noticeably bad before then. It's the fact that she's priced at 62 and her break-even is 40. Even if we say she's like, in that Keely Shearer, Lucy Single, like, can get 70s on some weeks, 80s on some weeks, 60s on... She's still making you cash. I don't know if I like it as much if it's Nina Morrison, but let's say I'm in the position of I want to go Bowers to Ghana this week for the game against JWS. I want to get rid of Cordner, and I have Nina Morrison. A way to do all of that and actually have upgrades at least two of my trades is Nina Morrison down to someone like Deanna Berry who even if she scores a 40 this week, will hold her price. So that's mm. well, that would be her lowest score of the year if she scored a 40, and she would still hold her price. And they're playing St Kilda. The player that I would be picking if I was in your situation for just a little bit more, so 796 instead of, I think... 708. Yeah. So um, if you're trading Morrison down to someone so you've got a little bit of extra cash, I'd probably be going Gemma Horton. I think she's relatively lowly owned from what I can see. She's had a bit of a like a more consistent score where she had one down week, but she kind of has that um, element that you were talking about where they she has the potential to get some goals to boost those points up there. She's going against West Coast this week, so I think that's a pretty good 
uh, opportunity to get some goals, get some decent score as well. Yeah, if I was doing a Morrison trade down, it would probably be to her. Okay. Love the thought, if only for one detail that you may have missed today. Indy Tahoe has done her ACL. Oh, yeah. Well... Liv Levicki probably comes back into the side and plays that forward ruck role. And that's kind of what's helped Horton in the same way that it helped Jesse Wardlaw a little bit too, which was a little bit more time rucking and a little bit more time around the ball. Same with like a Jackie Dupay has scored better when she spent more time rucking in the forward line. I think that more likely falls on Levicki. And I also, yeah, it doesn't pass my tingle-like spidey senses. Like, I agree that that's the kind of player that traditionally we've overlooked, but we've seen this year there are multiple of the, if if they're a key forward but they switch around the ground a little bit more, they can be viable. That's probably a player we need to think about more. But I think with that injury, Horton's a bit more of a risk. Okay. I think the other one that I can see on the list here, Mel, is Sarah Rowe. I don't mind that as an option at all. She would have been great to have started the season with, given she's made like 300 and something K at this point. I don't know about you, but we've seen it before. She has the floor score every year. It's just, she's not had it yet. Is she wet and when is it, is it going to happen? And if so, when? Yeah. She's one that I'm just a little bit hesitant on just because of her price. To me, when you look at someone of that price bucket, you've got for like significantly lower ownership at the same price, Jack Dupai, who we can just see is smashing this season. Like her and Taro Bohana up there together in the forward line, building off each other and they're never at the same spot. Therefore, they're always getting their own points. She's getting goals. She has that hit out potential. If I was spending that much money, I'd want a little bit more of a known entity. And I know like Jack Dupai is getting better and better this season, but I think that that's I can't see that changing for any reason. So I'd probably be going behind her instead. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I just realized there was another name, another two names we had to mention. One of them is, I don't know about you, but I am waiting for Chelsea Randall to be an option again. <laughs> oh, miss the days. Because, well, I, I, I don't miss the days. I've never had her. I didn't oh, have her last mm. season. I faded her and got too cocky when she scored a 30 when she was tagging against Richmond. And I may have crowed a little bit on the pod. And then I was roundly shut up by Jono for the rest of the year and talked about the fact she was by far and away the best defender. I think if we hear word that Sarah Allen is back, and I think you'd also expect Najwa Allen and or Stevie Lee Thompson back, Chelsea Randall becomes an option again. Particularly when the games start to get closer to the final series, teams start to have like nailed down their game plan, games get closer and harder, Chelsea Randall will spend more time back around the ball again, and not just as a tagger. The other one to talk about if Turbo is as injured as he now looks like she is, is Megan Kaufman. Because yeah. she is, is so similar that it points apparently on the TV coverage they confused Bowers with Kaufman because they play that like similar stocky shoulders mm, tackle. They look similar as well. They look similar. Maybe not as like super shoulders and buff as Turbo, but it's not that far off. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to go off like a, a run of really good games of scoring. You're going to have to like trade in to your expectations, like trade into your prediction that she's going to improve if Turbo is actually out. 
because yeah. she had a two great games to start the year and had 26 tackles and since then has had seven, which is ridiculous. So another name that I think is below 800k, she's at 765. She is a trade down from Aaron Phillips right now, which is tough to do because Aaron Phillips cannot take a mark or lay a tackle to save a life. So those are names of some of the kind of more lowly owned forwards, slightly cheaper ones. Mel, before I move on to midfielders, have you got anyone else that you want to throw out there? Any super roughies out there? Um, No, I think that's a whole bunch of names. Pretty happy with those. Now we move on to the midfielders. <sighs> if vibes were going so highly because you've all had highly owned players that may need to be traded out in each line, we move to another one mm. with another trade out option. There's a reason why we're doing midfielders last. <laughs> Look, We'll do the season wrap up and we'll do our, you know, podcasts next preseason and I'm sure we'll dissect the turbo experience to bits. But damn it's frustrating that we don't get better reporting and damn it's frustrating that I traded her in last week. Mm. Yeah. I think we've spoken about Bowers enough. Let's think about what we're gonna do when we trade her out. What are we gonna trade her out for? You've got her melt, I've got her. What are you thinking is the most important direction to go this week? Is it up, down, or sideways? And if so, to whom? For me, it's up. So my midfield's currently got Noffy, Bates. So Noffy, Noffy's amazing. And I should have learned my lesson about captaining. Bates, who I brought in for a freak trade when I think Bowers went out the first time. Benici, who's fantastic, and currently T. Smith on field. If I'm taking out Bowers, I want to be getting Garner. I am... I was devastated last season when I didn't have her in because I just put it off for too long and I've put it off for too long, I've decided. And this is a good time to bring Garner in because she only went up 12 grand. She's won. She got her very low score for her of 121, which we kind of went, there's no way she can be going at 150 every single week. That's girl needs a break. Um, We saw it. It's in a huge score for a break, but this is the opportunity because otherwise she's just going to keep going up in score. Let me just double-check live her break-even. Whilst you do that... Yes. Here's the thing that's ridiculous. She did that with somewhat of a stoppage tag, and this week she goes up against a team that just allowed someone to score 178, the second-highest score of all time. And it wasn't even like Turbo, where it was reliant on other people having the ball to then, Mm. so that then she could tackle them. Noffy did it all on kicks. For me personally and for that, like the matchup reason and for the fact that she's had her down week, she's affordable, it is the time and the place to bring in Ghana. So I'm very excited about that. Um, And honestly, I didn't really consider anyone else because I look at Rowbottom and she had a huge week last week, but she had a bit of iffy one before that. I think she's going to be someone that I can upgrade Bates to soon, but not right now when I have the, the best consistently the number one scoring player in the competition for the last three weeks on average as as points has been Ghana and I want her in my side spewing I don't have her so it's Ghana what about you yeah look I am also currently considering trading in Ghana for the same reason of I don't know what GWS is going to be able to do to stop her my Concern is that there was still a somewhat effective tag from Annalise Lister on Anne Hatchard on the weekend. So she only got 
a 97, which is kind of consistently what she's got when she's been tagged. Garner's probably at 130-ish this week, is my prediction, because she's not going to be allowed to run fully off the chain like she was in those 150 weeks. But I still think that she's the toughest player to watch at the moment that I don't own. And I, I traded in Robottom this week for Riddell because I was under the impression that Riddell was going to score poorly like she had the week before because apparently all the evidence suggests that players from going up against Brisbane would score up below their average. And apparently it just wasn't enough. And I also think that in terms of what happened in that North Melbourne midfield, it was almost a like-for-like replacement. Bruton came in and took Mia King's role. Just swapped them out. I don't think Mia King really had any CBAs on the weekend whatsoever. I think that means that Garner is safe. I'm not concerned about Lister against Garner. I just don't see that being a massively dampening tag. I know, but it's the fact that she's still... like Hatchard has been 197, 133, 97. The 133 being the game where, for the majority of it, she saw no stoppage attention. And it was a 97 that she had against with Lister running around with her on the weekend. It's possible that it just dampens it from like the 150s down to basically what she averages at the moment, which is in the 130s. That is still the best score on a given week. Because I would say that, and I wish the AFL had more data on this, it was a, overall a lower scoring round this weekend. We did not see nearly as many 110 plus scores this week as we had in previous rounds this year. If you're not bringing in Ghana, though, I think the uh, the amazing other option in the midfield in the same team is Riddell. I am look. We'll have to get these stats from the bid in that. If I type that in, what's her ownership there? It's very low in the official competition. It's ah, still lowish, twenty percent in the top thousand for Riddell. She is the lowly owned superstar. She is consistently. Scoring very high, despite the fact that you've also got Garner on her side. She lost a bit of money last week, so she could be one to bring in right now. But her ownership is so low overall, and I guess compared to some of these other people in the top seven, eight midfielders, 1.3. So she's about the same price as Gardner. She's pretty much the same price as Bowers. She could be a really good sideways move if you don't have the other 350 grand to put on top of her. Like I'm doing a Nan Scorn down to a rookie to get that 350 grand to put on top of Bowers. But if you don't have that option or you've only got one of Nan Scorn or T Smith and you don't want to sacrifice the only one of those that you have because they can be a good M5 for now, I reckon Riddell is the best option to shuffle your money rather than upgrade. I fully and wholeheartedly agree with you. I think the two others to talk about, and I want you to I want your opinion on who you prefer, and it's Robottom and Georgie Prosparkas. Who averages more points for the rest of the year? Um, so Robottom is really good when she's being helped out by Whitford, who we've seen is also going has has some really big scores. I I have some type of I guess maybe risk in my mind, and I don't know how likely this is to happen, but. Whitford is also taking a good amount of tackles, quite high scoring, not quite row bottom level. But I I see her as having like this one-for-one one almost option there with that. I don't know what it would take 
But if Gold Coast are not doing as well as they wanted to or they've got a tough matchup or something, maybe they shuffle that around where Presbarkus, I think, is a very strong option and has shown to be and, like, we know that that's her role. What do you think? I I think that it's almost impossible to split because they basically do the same thing. That's a cop-out. Which one are you picking? I, I prefer Robottom, but she's just she's more unique. Mm. And she's not taggable. Do you obviously watch that Gold Coast Western Bulldogs game? She looks at someone about to tackle her and just goes, I'm just punching you in the sternum. Nah, <laughs> pushes them off. <laughs> you're going to go backwards. It's like, no, nah, yeah. you're not going to do it. Like 99% of the rest of the comp gets tackled. She just gets the hand pass out. It's very, very difficult to curb her impact, whereas Georgie has to tackle her way to good scores when she is tagged and when she's not, she's a top three player in the comp. She is as impactful with her foot and her possession as Monconti, but is at least three or four times better defensively. She is that good, so you need to put effort into stopping her, and Geelong are a top side, and you need to put effort into stopping Georgie to beat them. I guess this season alone, if you were just to go on this season, they've both got pretty much the same top score. Georgie's got a little bit less of a, like, nine points or so in it for the floor. But Robottom keeps giving away frees against probably because of the way she pushes people off. So I do think it's much of a muchness. But if you're looking for money-wise, you've got that extra money with Press Barker. She's lost 92 grand this week. Yeah, tricky one. It is a really tricky one. This kind of wanted to talk about it because we're in that stage now where the next player I want to talk about is what we do with her, which is Bree Davey. If you're looking for an upgrade, you probably can't get the whole way up to Ghana. You're probably looking in that $1.3 million range and it's Riddell, Prisparkus, Robottom. If you are looking... Sorry, I was like, why are we talking about Davey? I'm absolutely gobsmacked with that ownership percentage. Why is she 52% owned in the top 1,000? Uh, because that's how you got she, – because she made so much cash, everyone traded her in, in in week one because she was really cheap then still and a lot of people didn't have Ange Foley and so had that extra trade <laughs> to um, to, uh, to make a midfield sweep around. Fair. Hey, you made a great trade out of Ange Foley and had a great round too, so – Oh, I know. I just wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay, that kind of makes sense. It makes sense that I brought her in after that 131 for cash gen um, or maybe started with her because of the two underpriced ones. I just would have thought when you, she's literally a downwards trend <laughs> and didn't necessarily see it going back up, I, but it makes sense people ha- have had her for a little while. So she's at 101 or 1.1, okay. She is someone that I'm going to have to toss up trading. It's her or Erin Phillips most likely. Mm. And the thing that concerns me is... She's now had two down weeks in a row, had low time on ground on the weekend with an ankle complaint, Mm. apparently. She injured in the third and then came back on. If you're looking to go up, I think we kind of have talked about there's a lot of options. In terms of sideways-ish, not up the full 1.3 million, the two that struck me the most are Amy McDonald, because we've seen she has top five scoring potential before, Mm -hmm. and then Ali Anderson who I think we're really sleeping on. We're sleeping on the W Award winner? Yeah, well, that's because it should have been bloody Jazz Garner. But, you know, Mm. let's not dig up old bones here. We've seen before that it's the kind of person that comes from this, like, mid-pack of 
20th ranked overall for scoring that goes on and becomes a top five scorer for the rest of the season is the player you have to jump on to win. It was Tilly Lucas-Rod and Emily Bates in season six. Mm -hmm. Last year, it was basically Turbo to be able to do it. But it was also Presparkas and Robottom who went from 90s up to over 100s average in those like final four rounds of the year. I think that what we've seen in terms of overall scoring percentage from Ali Anderson for what Brisbane score in total, she's looked really, really good. And I also think that Amy McDonald is someone that can absolutely be back up above 100 as an average. She scored that 120 in round one, but I think... She's very that, close to it. Yeah, but I think she can be like well above, like 110. She has that pure accumulator game style and it's not like she doesn't tackle at all. So those are two names that I'm really watching and I am definitely considering as a sideways because I think she's got the ceiling in the same way that I think Britt Benici does too. Hmm. Any any further thoughts, Mel? Any other names you want to mention there? Or we just about mentioned every player under the sun at this point. Oh, the other one actually is Elise Parker, who we sh- <laughs> can't forget Piggy P. Well, I was going to throw in Conti. Who has had a cup? Like you say, someone that's going to average over a hundred. I know, but she's got pretty much a hundred. She's had five frees against her over four rounds, so that's definitely dampening that one there. But she is great on, like, so she's not really a tackler, but she's going up against Freer without Bowers. And so, if you're doing a sideways trade this week, she could be a good one to. She's. I don't think she's that much more expensive than. Sparkers or cheaper. She could be a good one there. She could be a good Davy one because she's really just closely in that bracket. Yeah, gonna chuck that one in there. I think that it's gonna be one of those ones where at one season she will be in the top three best scorers in the comp, but I still haven't seen a game style at Richmond that gives me hope that she'll do it because she's super inconsistent in game for fantasy scoring. She doesn't like pop up consistently throughout a quarter with like clearance, tackle, hand pass, kick, mark. It's like burst of like three minutes of hand pass, hand pass, hand pass, kick inside 50, ball stops at stoppage. Conti gets hand pass. It goes back out to 50. She then takes a mark, takes a set shot at goal. That's 20 points. And then it's missing for the rest of the quarter. That's actually what I would put as a recipe for someone that has a massive breakout week and gets their average up above that for one week. Like if otherwise you're going to pick someone who's a little bit lower down, that's going to need very like five, very consistent weeks or so or five very good weeks from now, because it's so it's not like a a set routine. All it takes is a good batch of minutes next to each other for her to have a really good one. Do you want to talk about Parker before we wrap up our literally every single player? Every single player under the sun. Uh, Yeah. I think the thing with Elise Parker is that she's now through the, difficult bit of her schedule for scoring she's had melbourne richmond and adelaide and after this week like i was talking about earlier it's basically a good run for the rest of the year from round six onwards i think we all know that she can fill up the stat line about as well as anyone else in the comp and i do genuinely believe that a healthy easy huntington and a healthy georgia garnett and a decent enough structure in the back line. I think we've seen some better work this year from like Jody Hicks. And I think that's a recipe for Elise Parker back full-time mid. And she has 
120 plus ceiling in shorter quarters. That's 130 plus now. I think she is a genuine superstar. So that game against, well, maybe not against West Coast, but a game against St Kilda in round seven, she's not going to get tagged. She has someone, she has break the game apart a potential because she tackles, because she kicks goals too. I think, yeah, she's a really good player to pick. All right, well, that is now a million players that we've talked about, and we've only just got to Rux. I was going to say, I just want to do a one-minute monologue on Rux, and then I will hand back to you. One thing I found fascinating right. when I was having a look at it this week is we've got our four highest averaging Rux. Morfitt, who I'm absolutely spewing that Will has the foresight to bring in and hold as his R1, because I think given she scores so much higher than all of the other Rux, like a good 15 points average, that's why he's doing so well as uh, that's his differentiator right there. You've got Strom, number two, Seymour, number three, and Edmonds, number four. When you compare that to the ownership stats, I was looking at the general game, but even now when I look at the bit in that page, if you look at the highest owned rucks in the top five, ten grand or whatever, it's rookies, 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 rookies. Why did I try to say that so fast? You've got Matilda Schultz, Fleur Davies, rookies, all the rookies, Erin Hoare, followed by Ariana Hetherington. You've got Wackfer in there. What My point is that the... Four highest averaging rucks who are miles above everyone else, especially um, Morford and Strom, are not in the highest own rucks in the top 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000. This is the differentiator point if ever I've seen one. If you can do an upgrade, we spend so long talking about these other lines, but if you can get one of these, say a Morford or even a Strom, a consistently high scoring ruck, that could be the best use of upgrade money you have because of the low ownership. Um, I would say I know why. And that's because Matilda Schultz is that good. And she put up a floor score on the weekend and is still in the 60s. I know that we give Will foresight for picking Ali Morford. She's been amazing. She's almost certainly to win Rising Star. And on a side note, I reckon she will win Rising Star and have the lowest disposal efficiency for anyone that does because she is the worst kick efficiency-wise and worst possession efficiency-wise for all rucks who have played every game. Just a, just a quick stat there for you. Matilda Schultz was 300k. She is now 7th highest ranking ruck and up until this week had only been about 12 points per game on average, less than Morfitt. And at that stage, I've only paid 300k for it. So her outlay is fine. The other thing is the run coming up for Port Adelaide is amazing. But she goes up against West Coast and then goes up against Sydney. This is the other thing with Ali Morfitt. Her defensive presence n'exist apart. She is the easiest ruck for other teams to score against. Lauren Wackford had her best score ever against Ali Morfitt. And so... The next two weeks, you hold. And then it's going to be a really interesting situation because I think Morfitt's going to be an upgrade target. I think Strom's going to be an upgrade target. I think Alice Edmonds is going to be up there. I'm hoping that Brianne Moody drops some more cash because she is someone that I'm also going to look at. Unfortunately, Gabby Seymour, I don't know if you saw right at the end of the game between Richmond and Carlton, she came off looking very sore. And then additionally, an, a classic Gabby moment, she, even though she was hobbling, threw her hands up in the air to celebrate the win as the siren went because she literally could not contain herself, even though she then had to hobble more afterwards because she couldn't <laughs> put weight on her leg. So 
just a word there that maybe not Gabby Seymour. But I, I think you're right. Like Ali Morfitt two weeks ago might have been a great stepping stone because you did put like 15, 16 points up on a rookie player. But maybe not for the next two weeks. I'm not looking to go up from Schultz just given her run. I'm personally not either. But when you're looking at point of differences, we're, we're talking about where the concentration against each line and how defenders is fairly concentrated, forwards less, midfielders less, rucks is the most concentrated by far. So if you're looking for an absolute way to differentiate your team, it might have been 12 points, but I'm 270 points away from top 100 for context, and I'm not doing that flash. So 12 points a week, or in this case, it's now 17 points in the difference between Schultz and Morfitt. If you want that extra 17 points on average in a round, that could actually be where you're going from a player that's pretty much every single person has her 86% owned, getting an extra 17 points. Yeah, you're absolutely coughing up for it. But if you've got 200 grand to put on someone, you could put it on Bowers and go to Ghana, who everyone's going to have and a lot of 55% of the comp or something have Bowers. So there's going to be a lot of people looking for a Bowers replacement or put the 200 grand on Schultz, get yourself an extra points on average and a huge differentiator. I just think it's a strategy that I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it's, if you're looking, if you're doing really well and you don't have, and you have Schultz who's highly owned, and you're looking for a really good way to differentiate yourself, I think a ruck line is a fascinating move. That was longer than one minute. <laughs> no, no, but I, I agree because I also think the other one to think about is Lucy. Um, not Lucy. Oh my god, I keep doing that. Alice Edmonds, because we've seen she has the ceiling, right? And and she doesn't have a bad run coming up either. She only has one down matchup for the rest of the year and still has to play Sydney. And that is a hop, skip, and a jump of 60K from Schultz, someone who should have been in All-Australian last year. So I think that is also a fascinating play because I think that like extra 200K is hard. 60K, again, like we talked about about four hours ago, is just a rookie. All right, well, that has now been the longest, I reckon, two-person episode that we are ever going to do. A quick... Uh, Trip, I'm going to be my own chaperone over to Captain's Corner and just quickly say, <laughs> in terms of most popular, they pretty much mirrored exactly what I had uh, done in my Captain's rankings because I thought they were pretty chalk and cheese. Pretty simple this week. It was Turbo 1, Noffy 2, and then Ghana 3. As it turned out, as long as you avoided Turbo, you probably did pretty well on the weekend. That was a pain. I, I still think she was probably on track for about 110 she, was on, she got injured on that 70 score, but she just had a really good third quarter. I just wish I'd listened to my own captain's advice and put the VC on Noffy. I had her as rank two. And if you look, funnily enough, at the top 100 for captains, Turbo is the most popular. And then it is just like seven or eight rookies that have not played a game at all. And it's everyone's red dots that have populated all of the most popular captain's rankings. I'm curious because... On this because now you're in like I, I understand that's a great loophole situation and as someone that hasn't come from men's it wasn't either apparent nor easily understandable for me now you've got a situation where Morrison might be out and you have to trade her like you can't just bring in say someone like say you've got a um, possible weight say you've got someone like that on your bench that you're like oh maybe they can do okay on the field and you don't have to trade her but now you do because of the red dot do the risks outweigh the benefits doing that this early in the season? Or is this normally the point at which you would do it in men's too? I, there's just been a lot of assumption that this is a, a good thing to do. Yeah, that's a fair point. 
I would say, yeah, it's probably a smidgen earlier. But I think we're seeing now that we're so... The timelines are warped because we're at basically now, like, if you were talking men's or even Marrera's Magic, like, men's, this is the final third of the season. For Marrera's Magic, this is, like, the final two, three weeks. All this extra cash means that we are, like, three weeks ahead. And that's the time we're probably looking to do some funny things to maximize captain scores. Because as we saw on the weekend, <laughs> the difference is 50 points. Let's say it's 50 points from the next highest scoring player of the round. And for the most popular captain, it was 100 points. Yeah. 100 points difference, which kills, absolutely mm. kills your season. Like, that is the, truly the difference for the haves and have-nots this week. That's the difference between me sitting at 700 and me being less than 100 points away from the top 100. Like, it is that one thing. So, as much as I failed, I was about to say effed up my loophole option because I went Gardner, I still think you've got to be thinking more importantly about captain scores this week because we're seeing now with the way the prices move, it's haves and haves nots now. So, it's super important that you double dip. I like it. Okay. Now, in terms of the questions that we've got this week, I think we've pretty much answered all of them. There was one here that best forward options to downgrade from Postlethwaite. I think it's Amy Macken. Her first quarter against uh, Hawthorne showed us everything that you needed to see that she could accumulate the ball. Yep. She is Neve McLaughlin, but she plays in the forward line, so probably going to get slightly more marked. Yeah. She looks really good, and also she has the advantage of her sister kicking to her, which is advantageous. Yeah, was going to echo all that, so I won't. Yes. Okay, right. Now, I think then that means, Mel, what are your trade plans for the week? Yep, just going through them quickly. Um, Huntington not making me any money, so she's out. And Macken, you know, sister, kick to kick. Melbourne, rookie, did well, going to earn cash. In she comes. And if I need to put her on my field instead of Morrison if she goes out, I'm okay to do that. It's not going to be an amazing score, but it could be close to close-ish to Malloy. Bowers, out. Ghana, yes. That needs 350 or so extra grand. So I'm going, or maybe 300 grand. I'm going Nanscorn out. Thank you very much for getting 705 grand up from Rookie. That's amazing. And Jay Flynn comes in the midfielder for Frio, um, who i picking her because watched her on the game in the weekend and I was like, who dat? Uh, they're looking great. Should Got be right. 43 with a free against, um, six tackles. Looking like, a, I guess, a mini Bowers. And I'm thinking that Bowers out is going to, you know, we don't know Bowers is going to be out, but Bowers' injury is going to be helpful for her. And you? Um, at the moment, I'm considering doing Cordner uh, to Nat Grider, yep. uh, doing Bowers up to Garner, and then looking at if it is uh, Morrison out. Morrison down to Goldsworthy. Does that get you the 300 or so grand? That gets me that I have a little bit of cash left over. Nice. That gets me enough cash to do everything because basically everything else is, yeah, the the Cordner grider option is sideways. So those are my trades for the week. They're probably going to change a lot. We still don't have injuries at this point. Bree Davey is a potentially trade out this week, which means I'm probably going to need to hold Cordner, which is going to be so much fun. Oh, you're going to love that game. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be great. Absolutely going to love it. And I'm probably going to be there live too, so I can watch her drop marks again this week. Um, Woohoo! That means we have got now to the end of the episode. Make sure that you like, subscribe to all of the different, wherever you get your podcast channels. 
uh, and make sure that you're following us on Twitter, on Instagram at FreeKickWPod. Uh, at the moment, when we're one of us, at least, is available on a Thursday, we've been jumping on and doing a live space after team announcements. I'm not going to lie, with the timing of games this week, I have no idea when that might even be able to happen because just flagging now, and if you've made it through this far, well done. We're in a situation where teams are going to come out and get confirmed for all of the weekend's games. So there's like a bunch on Friday, one on Saturday, and then three on Sunday. The first game on Thursday night starts 15 minutes before those teams are announced. So it's going to be a little bit of a weird week, and that means it's going to be difficult to have that kind of show. But if you are enjoying our content, Make sure you're following us on all those social media channels. You can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy. Mel, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter and Insta as Hi Mel D. If we're doing any spaces or whatnot, I will not be a part of it this week, unfortunately. I'm flying Wednesday and I'm going down to the Geelong game. I've not been to GMHBA Stadium, so I'm quite looking forward to that with my chaperone co-host, Will. So thank you, Will. <laughs> Should be a good one. Yes, it should be. Well, hope you've enjoyed uh, this good one of an episode and uh, we'll see you all uh, next week. See ya. Bye.